When you're working in education and with learners, it's important to recognize that there are barriers to learning. Today, I talk with Trevor Reagan at the Learner Lab about fear. Welcome to Focus on K-12, EdTech and the Education Experience. I'm your host, Doug Conopelko, Education Strategist at CDWG. So let's dive in as we focus on K-12. I'm Trevor Reagan, and I run a website called The Learner Lab. And basically, I've spent the last 10 years studying the learning process, and more specifically, not just like learning in general, but like how can we get better at it? Um, I think as far as learning is concerned, a few obvious things, it's like, yes, it's a skill. Learning is a skill. And I think it's like the most important skill. If you're a great learner, that's uh, like a superpower, no matter who you are, or what you do. And so then the question we've been trying to ask and focus on is like, how do you get better at getting better? Um, and I was kind of lucky going in, I knew nothing. And so it wasn't like I was trying to prove a point or prove my thesis. It was, let's start from scratch, interview really smart people, authors, scientists, coaches, professors, and start to like connect dots and see like, okay, what are like the most heavy hitting principles that could help someone become a better learner? And so that's sort of been the mission that I've been on. Um, so my time is split between learning, creating content, and then delivering workshops and presentations to tons of schools. We work with both students and teachers, lots of corporate groups, lots of sports teams as well. So kind of the dream job, kind of the dream topic to get a to, to dive into. And it's been a blast. Well, I appreciate it. I appreciate you spending some time with us here today talking about it. So, so let's dive in and let's talk about when, when we're dealing with education and when we're dealing with learning, what are some of the things, or maybe what's one of the things that really tends to stick out to you? Yeah. So, I mean, we could go for five hours on that, but the one area that I've been focusing on lately that seems to hit with the groups that we work with, it's just like, we all have these actions and behaviors that we want to do more of. Like uh, we want our students to ask more questions. We want to be better at using feedback. We want to uh, learn new things and stretch out of our comfort zone. Great. Well, what are like the barriers to those type of actions. And I think there are a lot, but one universal one is like fear. I think when it comes to learning, fear is a massive obstacle that we all have to deal with, yet we don't talk about it enough. I think fear and other tough emotions like stress and anxiety, like they hold a lot of power over our actions and behaviors, especially when it comes to learning and performance. When we're feeling fear, we don't always perform at our best. When we're feeling fear, we're usually going to avoid great learning opportunities. And so then the question becomes like, well, what should we do about it? And on the surface, it seems like a simple answer. It's like, ah, oh, fears like holds us all back. We should just get rid of it. And that's kind of society's default approach. In fact, there was a big uh, survey with thousands of people by Allison Wood Brooks from Harvard. Uh, and the question was basically, when you're feeling nervous before or during a challenge, what's the best advice to give someone or yourself? And 91% of the respondents on the survey said, the optimal strategy is to tell yourself or someone else, calm down, don't be afraid. And everybody listening has said that and everyone listening has heard that. That's definitely our like most common response. But then if you look into research done by Alison Wood Brooks, Jeremy Jameson, Aaliyah Crum, you see like 
actually that approach, the be fearless, don't feel approach causes way more problems. Like we mean well when we say that, but it actually isn't effective at all. Um, I think one study that really starts to illustrate the point, uh, this one was done by Alison Woodbrooks. They had two groups of Harvard students and they set up a, like a highly stressful situation. You had to like go into a small room and sing, don't stop believing to strangers. And one group uh, was like, they called like the suppression group. So like before these students went into the room, they told the students, calm down, don't be afraid. Okay, so that's group one. They score on average, they had a Nintendo Wii like measuring their singing accuracy. Uh, that group scores like a 53% on the task. Now this other group, they call the reappraisal group. Reappraisal is finding a way to maybe change the way we think and talk about fear. They tell this group before they go to the room, hey, it's normal and expected to be nervous. That's human. It doesn't mean you're doing something wrong. It's just like human nature to be a bit stressed in these types of situations. That group scores an 81% on the song. So that's like a 30% boost in performance coming from one little adjustment to the way like they instructed the students to think about fear. And I think even more compelling in research like this, they usually will measure physiology. And so they'll measure the student's heart rate and blood pressure and hormones. And what they discovered in this study and many more, there was no difference between any of the students. Every student's heart rate goes up. Every student's blood pressure changes. Every student's hormones change. Like, yeah, every student felt the same. The key to realize when we talk about fear and other tough emotions is we don't have very much control over how we feel, but our power comes in how we think about the way we feel. When we're trained like group one to calm down, when we're trained, don't be afraid, it actually, the, the research shows oftentimes makes the fear worse and it creates a lot of shame around the feeling. So put yourself into their shoes. They're told, hey, no worries, calm down, don't be afraid. And then they're put into a room to sing a song to three strangers. They're gonna feel something. But you see the way they're gonna interpret those feelings is a negative thing. It's like, oh, you told me not to be afraid, but I am afraid something's wrong. I'm not good at this. I'm not ready. I'm not prepared. No one else feels like this. And all of that shame can make the fear worse and think about where their attention is going to be when they're singing the song on the fear. Why am I feeling this? How do I stop this? But then think about the second group who is given permission to feel, hey, it's okay. It's expected. It's human. They're put into the room to sing the same, sing the same song, feeling the same emotions. But because they were given permission to feel, they can turn their attention to the song. They all feel the same for sure. And as humans, when we face challenges, when we're in a high pressure situation, taking a test, going into a job interview, trying out for a team, these are situations that will make us feel uncomfortable. And we have to learn to accept that. And the way we take the power out of those emotions hands is not by fighting them and suppressing them, but it's by giving people permission to feel. It's okay. It's expected. It's human. It's normal. Doesn't mean it's always fun to feel those emotions, but it's okay. Right. And so I think about that study and many more all the time. And this is like one piece of the learning equation that we spend a lot of time on when we work with groups. It's just like, hey, we have to upgrade the way we talk about these tough emotions. Um, and when we do that, we start to take the power out of their hands. Um, so we tell people, look, when it comes to learning, our goal is not to become fearless. 
our goal is we don't want fear making our decisions when we're trying to learn. And the only way to get there is through acceptance. It's not by fighting the fear because that will just make it worse. Right. I remember reading something recently about rejection, right? Because people fear rejection a lot, right? Mm -hmm. I think that it kind of plays into this as well, where it was, and I'm going to forget the guy's name. You're much better with the names than I am. But it was Mm -hmm. this idea that he was going to do something that he was pretty sure was going to get rejected like every single day and just get used Mm -hmm. to this feeling of rejection rather than running away from it, kind of run toward it. Mm Right. And start yeah. to build up. How do I react to it? And it yeah. was something along the lines of like the first few days that it happened, he would sort of push back on the rejection, right. Mm-hmm. Or just sort of like take it right. And say, okay, he'd go in and say, Hey, can I have $20 to somebody he didn't know? And they'd say like, no. And he would just walk away and sort of like check it off the list. Right. Like, okay, I got my rejection for the day. And then as time went on, he started to ask, why or like would ask people give a little more context around the thing that he was pretty sure he's going to get rejected on Mm -hmm. right over time it started to change where it almost became more difficult for him to get rejection because he became so good at like navigating the emotion and understanding how he felt and that just because he got the rejection or just because he felt the fear doesn't mean it's time to Mm -hmm. shut down and so seth godin calls that like dancing with fear which is basically like I feel it, but I'm doing the right thing anyways. This isn't saying be reckless of like, oh, do the opposite of what your fear says all the time. It's like, no, of course not. But it's just understanding that we're humans and we're designed to feel. And so like what I recommend to anyone listening, and I need to take this advice myself, is treat that as a skill. And like any skill, we get better as we start to rack up the reps. Doesn't mean we're going to be perfect with it, but we can start small in how we build it. It's like, maybe I... uh, I feel nervous. I feel a bit afraid, but I ask more questions. I feel nervous. I feel afraid, but I have tough conversations. And as I start to get practice in feeling, doing, feeling, doing, feeling, doing, as I do that, I get better at dancing with the fear. I start to take the power out of my fear's hands, but it doesn't mean the fear goes away. And like, that's the key point of this. Like we have to recalibrate our North star here. The goal isn't to get rid of the fear. We just need to get better at accepting it, understanding it, and then doing what we need to do anyways. Um, hard, easy to say hard to do, but it's a very important skill. Right. So what are some ways then, because this is a message that obviously applies to all people, right? So when we talk about education and we talk about, you know, we've got students as stakeholders, we've got teachers as stakeholders, we've got the community as stakeholders, we've got the leaders of the schools as stakeholders and the districts. So what, you know, how might we change that message to suit the audience and, and, and where do we go from there? So I think it's about being aware of the signals that we're constantly sending about fear. We have to be aware of those and try to upgrade them. I think like we mentioned that survey earlier, like the 91% of us think that the optimal strategy is calm down. Don't be afraid. Like we send those signals all the time. And so before our students are taking an exam, it's easy for us to say, Hey, like, Hey, don't be afraid. Like whatever, like that's sending the signal. It's like bad to feel bad. It's like these emotions are bad. And so my challenge is like, be aware of the signals and upgrade them. It's, there's not a blueprint to it, but the things that I would think about is maybe layer one is, telling the people around us and giving the people around us and giving ourselves permission to feel just like they did in the study, just like that, that one paragraph of instructions, Hey, it's normal to feel a bit nervous when you do stuff like this and that's okay. Like 
that can have a profound impact on the performance on the exam. So Jeremy Jameson literally did that study at, at Harvard. Uh, I think it was Harvard Business School. And so they, they set it up where like, okay, they're taking the practice GRE. And so one group receives no instruction and the other receives one paragraph that says, hey, it's okay, it's expected to feel nervous before you take an exam. The second group scores much better than the first group. And then the amazing thing is, three months later, the students took the real GRE and they report their scores back and a similar gap remained. There was no further contact with the students, but the students that read that paragraph that gave them permission to be a bit nervous and told them it's okay, they did better on the real GRE three months later. And so like, we can use that, that's layer one is just, hey, just tell people that it's okay to be nervous. It's okay to be afraid. It's human. Maybe layer two, and I see a lot of great leaders that we work with do this all the time. It's like, you can start to share experiences and times that you felt activated and nervous. You're starting to normalize it. So it could be like, hey, I remember when I tried out for uh, the basketball team in seventh grade, like I was nervous and that's human. That's okay. So like, I'm trying to normalize it through sharing my experience. It's like, yeah, when I take a test, I get nervous too. I do this a lot when I work with students. It's like during my talk, like throughout the talk, I admit like I'm nervous. Like if I'm working with a group of third graders, I do feel nervous before, during, and after that talk. And I've given talks in prisons and I feel nervous before, during, and after that. And I've given talks to Olympic teams and I feel nervous before, during, and after that. And so sharing that with the audience is powerful. It's again, just like anything we can do to recalibrate how we talk about those emotions is, is a win. Yeah, I appreciate that. And and I appreciate that when when we've talked in the past, when I've I mean I, when I was in the classroom, I used your videos about growth mindset when I was teaching that to my students, right? So I know there's a lot that goes into this. This has been uh, a long-standing piece and one of the things that I really enjoy about your work is that there's the research and the resources behind it. So for people who want to dive deeper because I know we're running out of time and and I want to make sure they get some of that uh, what are some of the resources and research that you think if people want to learn more about mm -hmm. fear and how we deal with it and how it impacts learning that they could use? So two really good people to follow and books to read. Mark Brackett, um, his book is called Permission to Feel, really, really good. And Susan David and hers is called Emotional Agility. We had them both on our podcast, but their books are like really, really good. Uh, I would highly recommend reading both. And there's a ton of similarities between their approach. And in the end, they're saying kind of the same thing. Uh, and then the unexpected book that's kind of like out there, but I, I love to read like the out of the box ones. There's this book called The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield. And some of it gets kind of a little bit out there, but the core message of it is amazing. And I think it's one of the, it's one of those books that's kind of like a slap in the face, like you're reading it and it's like answering, it's not answering your problems, but it's like shining a spotlight on them where you're like, oh no, <laughs> this is why I do that. Uh, that book is really good. So emotional agility, permission to feel, and the war of art would be three great books that would be beneficial for the topic that we just touched on. Great. Well, thank you. And I'll make sure to put um, links to those in the show notes and also links to your site. So if people want to see some of the content that you've created around fear, growth mindset, and other ideas around learning, they can get those. Perfect. Thank you so much for having me on. I think this is a really, really cool project and I'm happy to be a part of it. 
Thanks. Thanks for joining us today on Focus on K-12, EdTech and the Education Experience. If you enjoyed today's show, please subscribe and consider leaving us a rating or a review. If you'd like to contact us about the show, please reach out to me on Twitter at theconapelco or send us an email at focusonk12 at cdw.com. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next time as we focus on K-12. Hey.